you know, my parents really instilled in me uh, a truism that you can literally be whatever you want to be, right? You can, as long as you can basically see it in your mind's eye, you can do it. Um, and that that really empowered me with a, a belief um, that anyone can anyone can achieve anything. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're chatting to successful property investor Glenn McGrath, otherwise known as Goose. Since buying his first property, McGrath has been adding to his portfolio and you'll learn more about his strategies, his mindset when it comes to investing, what motivates him to invest and much, much more. During our previous episode, McGrath shared briefly with us his investing strategy which requires cash flow, capital growth and the ability to offset any risk of economic downturn or decline. My whole passion is about trying to change people's lives and that, that for, for a large part that's about there's a degree of education involved in that. So we've put together what we call the high performance property strategy which is basically a, a a triangle almost that, that, that kind of fits together that has those three components. So cash flow, growth and value-add strategies. Now, the, the way I explain it to people is that um, from a cash flow perspective, it's not just about getting extra pocket money, it's about increasing your serviceability and also making sure the property can pay for itself. So typically what we're looking for there is around 6% yield. Anything above 6%, um, the, it doesn't really um, bolster your serviceability too much. However, it does add a little bit of extra pocket money in your pocket. And then when you look at that over, so let's say you have a $500,000 property um, and it's yielding at say um, 6.5% or 6.7%, over a 15-year period, that's going to put an additional say $131,000 in your pocket, right? So, so over the long term, there's a huge benefit in having a cash flow positive um, portfolio, but that's one part of it. Now, and if you just wanted cash flow but had no growth, you wouldn't get the, the value of all the compounding compounding growth. So a lot of people don't understand compound growth and what it is. Uh, I mean, I talk to my peers, I talk to my family and people just, they're like they've heard of it but they don't understand what that what that does. So I spent a lot of time looking looking at the mechanics of that and um, and making sure and looking at the macroeconomic factors that are going to continue, continue to drive that and per, particularly timing in the cycle because the worst thing that you can do is buy, you know, right at the bottom of a market and then lose all your money to opportunity costs. So in terms of strategically, what we're looking for is cash flow positive in a high future growth potential area, but timing it in the in a at the right point in the buying cycle to be able to get the maximum amount of uplift in the shortest amount of time. But then we're also looking at the value add strategy. So typically under market value and then with either subdivision potential, renovation potential, granny flat potential or the potential to turn it into a boarding house depending on what people want to do. He then shares with us a practical example of this strategy in play. And I've done a little analysis, like a kind of hypothetical analysis of a $500,000 property yielding at 6.76% and went through the motions of like, okay, so if we bought it for this and if we did this. By, by having cash flow positive property, right, and by having a value add strategy, you can literally add 300% to the return on investment over a 15-year period. Right? And so when you when you start when you when you start looking at that, you know from a from a wealth creation, but that's what gets people interested. They're like, oh wait, hang on, what? I'm not that worried about tax. 
McGrath informs us about the importance of structuring your portfolio with a plan in mind and his holistic view when it comes to property investment. I tend to find talking to people, I mean, particularly when you look at um, you know, a strategy that I'm quite opposed to, which is negative gearing. The problem with that is that most people get locked out at one or two properties and they think that that's all you can do and then they have a liability in their portfolio and and then hopefully one day if they can hold on to it for long enough, they're going to be able to sell it at the end and you know lose a whole bunch of money to capital gains tax and then yippee, live off the rest. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you structure your portfolio correctly and if you look at what steps you want to take and where you want to go. So look, I always try and take a 10 to 15-year view, right? So wherever you are now, work out where you want to be in 10 or 15 years, right? And you, where, you want, where you want to be from a career perspective, an intellectual perspective, a health perspective, a social perspective, family, finance, everything. You want to look at the whole yin and yang of your life. You want to look at what the fundamental holistic wealth perspective looks looks like, not just how many properties you want. You want to look at where you want to be spiritually, physically, and emotionally in 10 years' time. And then remember that, that real estate is just a vehicle, right? So you want to then look at, okay, what assets do I need to accumulate over what period of time with exactly what outcomes in order to achieve that holistic wealth space in 10 to 15 years? When it comes to investing in property, McGrath doesn't focus on particular locations but instead concentrates on getting the right deals through research and analysis when choosing his assets. My perspective on on it is that uh, areas always change. So, you know, I'm definitely... uh, uh, location androgynous. I don't think that there is a best location. But really, what you got to look at is the opportunity for the for the for the right deal for that selection of the asset. Now, that being said, there's roughly two hundred and fifty thousand property or houses on the market at the moment in roughly fifteen thousand different suburbs. So, if you just took a scattergun approach and went, I'm just going to go out and look for the best deal, you're going to find yourself awash in a sea of choice and a, and a sea of indecision. And that's the problem that I think most people face. And so we go certainly, as I said, I go quite deep into. I've always gone quite deep into the analytics uh, and the research. And in doing so, you can kind of narrow the focus. And look, we go through eight eight different stages of a, of a selection process to un, to break it right down to sort of the top couple of different suburbs, and we update that every every week. And when I say top suburbs, at any given point in time, there's probably about 160 odd. Um, you know, investable or in, you know, investment class um, suburbs uh, around Australia, and that's based on their current economic conditions and you know population growth, migration, um, you know jobs in the pipeline, all that kind of projects in the pipeline, all that kind of stuff. But what you've really got to look at is where the timing of the market is, what the buyer distress is, and and really trying to understand that and breaking it down into a really deep and, and human level and looking at the, at the psychographic overlay of the suburbs to understand where it sits in the buying cycle and what the potential uplift is. Due to the landlord selling the house McGrath was renting with his partner at the time, he was compelled into buying a property near Geelong and then was able to purchase one in Queensland as well. And it, was a pretty interesting, um, it was a pretty interesting story after we, after we got the off-the-plan apartment. We certainly realized we, we were up against it. So we'd started saving money pretty <laughs> pretty heavily. It was like we were either investing money into into property education um, or we were squirreling it um, very firmly away uh, <laughs> for, for the day that the, the apartment's going to settle. We were actually renting at the time. Um, and then our lease our lease came up and uh, 
and we said, oh, no, let's just go month to month. She'll be right sort of thing. And then straight away the landlord said, right, we've got to get out because he wanted to move back in because he just sold his <laughs> his property. So we were – and and this was – um. This is actually a week a week before I was running my own music festival, so it was pretty uh, inopportune timing. So Gabby and I sort of uh, very quickly looked at each other and went, "Well, we're not renting again. So how much money have we got?" And we looked at how much money we had, and it wasn't a hell of a lot of money. We went, "Okay, where, where does that mean we can afford to buy?" <laughs> and uh, we we did a lot of research. Obviously, much much more. Um, you know, much more educated on, yeah, heaps more diligence and stuff. So we actually looked, um, we ended up buying a property in Norlane um, just outside of Geelong. Now, we didn't buy the optimum point in the buying cycle for that. However, it did suit our budget. We um, we managed to pick that up for about $300,000 and the bank valued that at about $340,000. Um, so that was that was a good little, good, good little way to start. Um, and in fact, the reason we bought it is because, you know, it's, it, Needs a bit of work, so we're currently living in it now, and we're slowly chipping away at renovating it. But also, it's subdividable. So we had the um, we had the strategy that went with it that it was you know forty thousand dollars under market value, subdividable and renovatable. So that gives us a lot of um, you know value add perspective with it. And so whilst that's not cash flow positive because you know we're living in it, um, it did enable us to leverage that into another property. So. We actually, it was only in January that we settled on the property in Norlane uh, and moved in and we've already leveraged that into buying another um, property in Queensland. So, um, it's kind of two and a half properties in, in about just under 12 months. In telling us a bit more about his property in Queensland, McGrath also shines a light on the strategy of leveraging equity out of one investment into another property. So that's um that's valued at three twenty. We bought it for two ninety. Uh, it's yielding at six point seven percent, and that is a, it's about twenty five minutes outside of Brisbane. Uh, four bedroom, two bath, fourteen year old brick and tile in a really desirable little pocket, and I'm extremely confident of the economic out, outlook there. The vacancy rates for those. Those houses, or you know, for that um, format of house, so four four by twos, is around zero point seven percent. So it's yeah, it's an extremely good purchase that we're really really happy with. And and in fact, can I just add on to that because of, because of being because because of being able to leverage our strategy, our only out of pocket expense for that was. Um, one thousand four hundred and fifty dollars in a holding deposit and a and a building inspection. So one of the big messages I've I've been trying to spread at the moment is that if you can if you can um, Make sure you're putting your strategy together properly and making sure that you're leveraging assets against each other. You have the ability to build a property portfolio without it suddenly being this whole like, I need to save, I need to save, I need to save. You know, we were able to to literally lever the equity out of one property and into another and put our hands in our pocket for about $1,500 and buy another house. And once you start trying to explain that to people, particularly that, and again, that's not revolutionary to people who have built large portfolios or uh, established in the market or or have a lot more experience. But I can tell you something for nothing. When you start saying that to people who either don't have a property yet or maybe only have one, that's a light bulb moment. And you can see that starting to change the psychology of the way people are thinking about their wealth creation story. McGrath checks the metrics when he's buying property to ensure his investments will be lucrative. It is entirely about leverage and it's entirely about uh, it's entirely about intelligence. So even with the property we bought in Queensland, so yeah, great, we got that thirty thousand dollars under market value. I'm pretty confident that's going to that's going to experience um, a, a very steep um, economic growth over the uh, over the coming twelve months because of the positioning of the local economy and and the way the demographics and psychographics are changing in the area. 
Um, further to that as well, even though it is in pretty good condition, it's currently tenanted, so we have no um, necessary need to uh, do any renovations on it right now. However, based on what we can do, we could probably spend um, around ten to fifteen thousand dollars on that, and and get out probably around I reckon about two dollars fifty for every dollar we spend. So there's the opportunity to be able to lever the um, equity in the property into increasing the value of the property even more. So once you start thinking about how you can, um, I like to call it pulling the mechanical levers of the property to make it worth more. You can suddenly allow yourself the ability to create a essentially a repeatable portfolio as long as you have those metrics right of of you know what the cash flow is and what the yield is and all of that kind of stuff to be able to support further borrowing. That's going to allow you to keep tapping into future properties. Coming up after the break, hear about what motivates McGrath to help Australians invest in property. But really, the the thing that gets me out of bed at four thirty every morning and and keeps me working until you know ten thirty every night. Um, is a really genuine and burning desire to be able to help people. What resources carried him well into his property journey? But in terms of the getting a fundamental understanding of property economics, I don't think anyone starting out their journey can really go wrong um, listening to that book. What kind of habits he has cultivated to propel him towards success? And then I instantly go and make a coffee and then I sit down and I write out my 30-day goals, my 90-day goals and my 25-year goals. All that and more coming up after the break. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. McGrath shares with us the reason he gets up in the morning and what motivates him to help Australians invest in property. My biggest why um, is that I want to be able to help other people. You know, it sounds really altruistic and real pie in, the sky, pie in the sky kind of stuff. And I mean, look, it started out as, you know, I wanted to get ahead and I wanted to try and, you know, do something with my life. Um, but really the the thing that gets me out of bed at 4.30 every morning and, and keeps me working until, you know, 10.30 every night um, is a really genuine and burning desire to be able to help people. I mean, I look at people like my parents who I love and they're amazing and they're, they're great parents and, they're not, you know, their their biggest concern is what happens, what's going to happen to their pension, you know. And and I look around at, at uh, lots of other people. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about everyday Australians. When I say that, I mean I'm talking about people like teachers and you know professionals. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who don't understand. Um, you know, uh, they don't really have an advanced financial IQ. Let's put it that way. And. Um, well, just in, in, you know, money in general. It doesn't need to be property. I mean, real estate is just a vehicle. Um, but yeah, I've got a, um, I've got a real desire to, to want to try and help people, to encourage people to, to, to be able to support their future and be able to change their lives. And I think that's, that's um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what's, what's really pushing me forward every day. He mentions many sources of knowledge and inspiration on his property journey from books to courses all over Australia. Like most people, I started out with the classic Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, <laughs> um, which was great. And then I got very good at cash flow, the board game. I'm not sure if you played that. Oh, love it. Loved it and still play it. But we don't have time to play it anymore. I keep thinking, oh, we're going to get it out. But um, no, I definitely loved all that stuff. But um, one of the books that I got to say 
really galvanized um, my perspective on it on property was Seven Steps to Wealth, John F. Fitzgerald. Have you read that? I haven't, but I've I've interviewed John, and John has shared his uh, in depth knowledge behind it, and he is a, a fantastic, yeah, fantastic guy who knows all this. So yes, I, I I need to get to the book. When you have the author of a book reading out their content, you <clears throat> it gives you a much deeper understanding into their um, real passion, or like you know they have the right emphasis on the parts. So listening to John read that book, narrate that book was I got to say to a large degree uh, life changing. Because Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, like most people, gives you the kind of perspective that you can do more um, with money and, and then changes your view on, on, on finance and particularly cash flow and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but in terms of the, getting a fundamental understanding of property economics, I don't think anyone starting out their journey can really go wrong um, listening to that book. There are some bits in it that I don't um, necessarily agree with uh, anymore in terms of like how I apply my strategy to property and stuff. But in terms of uh, forming that understanding, it's um, yeah, it's it's absolutely foundational to, to all that kind of stuff. And look, we did all kinds of different courses with you know all of the I guess <laughs> the big names in uh, in property education around the country, and and you know just just read a lot of books and listened to all the podcasts. I mean, I think I've digested almost every property related podcast there is in the country, and and did a lot of that kind of stuff. But also digging deep into into research and looking at all those kind of data analytics websites and, and trying to bottle that together. And honestly, there's no single source of um, true information in my opinion. Um, so what I tried to do was, um, I guess, aggregate all of that information in a huge array of very complex spreadsheets. At the end of the day, you've just got to be able to aggregate whatever is important. And as you've said, you know, times and people's strategies evolve over time as you become more and more knowledgeable and and that's normal you know you start with foundation which has been john's book but over time you have to develop your own i guess strategy that fits within what you're comfortable with and then ultimately grow it you know implementing it exactly it's it's exactly it's about it's about you've got to form an opinion you know my 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 view on it is that no one has the answer right and so when I'm ever giving advice to people, I, I, I always tell them, I said, I'd never expect anyone to, I know if I ever have to get to a position where I've got to tell someone to trust me, it means that I haven't provided the right valuable information, if, if that makes sense. You know, you need to be able to look at a broad range of information and overlay that information together and look at what the pattern, uh, pattern recognition or pattern interlay is. So you can kind of form a picture. His parents instilled into him models of self-belief, which eventually led him to becoming not only a property investor but a buyer's agent. I don't spend a lot of time listening to a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> I'm very much action-oriented, but I mean, I think from an uh, from an early stage, uh, you know, even in terms of like getting before I even really sort of started out in my in my uh, events career. You know, my parents really instilled in me uh, a truism that you can literally be whatever you want to be, right? You can, as long as you can basically see it in your mind's eye, you can do it. Um, and that that really empowered me with a, a belief um, that anyone can anyone can achieve anything, right? which which is a fundamental um, building block for for a strong mindset. Um, more, more recently, though. Um, when I was going through all these kind of breakthroughs 
in terms of understanding property and, and how it all works and suddenly and seeing all of these huge, getting all this huge pattern recognition and starting to be able to join all the dots in terms of property research and pro- property economics and understanding how all that works. And I was actually running these theories past a, past a broker um, and sort of going, is this, is this right? And he was like, well, yeah. And, you know, some, after some discussion, he said, have you ever thought about, um, have you ever thought about taking up a career as a buyer's agent? And I was like, wow. Yeah, wow, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so, I got to say that was that was probably a turning point because at that point I was getting a little bit um, burnt out with with all the event stuff, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, I can just help people do this all the time. How wonderful!" You know, so um, I got to say that was a pretty cool. McGrath attributes many habits to his success. In particular, his practice of setting out twenty-five year goals. It's not one habit; it's a series of habits, and it's very meticulous. Wake up. At 4:45 every morning, okay, and then I instantly go and make a coffee, and then I sit down and I write out my 30-day goals, my 90-day goals, and my 25-year goals. I do that every single day, and then I follow that up by going to the gym for one hour every day. All right? What that what that does? Following that routine. Look, there are days when that doesn't happen, okay, but as a general habit and a general routine, um, it it sets you up for an ability to be resilient and focused and understand where you want to go. And can I just share with you why 25 years? This is this. Uh, do you set goals? Do you do much goal setting? Yes, I do set goals. One of the most revolutionary things that I learned about setting goals was to set 25-year goals. The reason for that is when you break your when you break 25 years up into 90-day pieces, so three months or 12 weeks, right? There are 100. 90-day pieces or quarters in 25 years. So, so when you're setting goals, a lot of people, like there's that old kind of um, saying that you overestimate what you can do in a day and underestimate what you can do in a year, okay? So if you can set 25-year goals and go, all right, where do I want to be in 25 years? And let me tell you, I've got some pretty big, hairy, audacious goals in 25 years. When you bust it up into 90-day sections, three-month sections, it's much more edible and that is 1% of your journey. Really? And sudden, yeah, and it's yeah, what well, it is? Ninety days is one percent of twenty-five years. One quarter of a year is twenty-five is one is one percent of twenty-five years, right? Wow, okay, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, and so if you break if you break it up like that, then all of a sudden your vision starts to take shape in a much more tactile way. So, so I, so Gabby and I have actually we've we've got we've we've written out our in our six segments of our our life, and this is what this is a fundamental part of of mindset and daily habit. We've mapped out our six segments of life, so career, finance, intellect, health, family, social, and intimacy, seven segments. And, um, and we've mapped out them out for 30 days, 90 days, five years, or one year, five years, and 25 years. So then when you've got it, when you build that roadmap, and if you write that down every day, then you understand exactly what you need to do each day, each week, each month to take those steps to where you want your goal to be. When asked what advice he would give himself 10 years ago, McGrath instantly knows the answer. That's easy. I would have taught myself the benefits of compound, compounding growth and leverage. <laughs> As someone who's like fairly analytical and, and, uh, and process-driven, I didn't understand those values. Don't get me wrong. I've had an amazing life. I've traveled the world and I've done amazing things. And you know, I've, I've, it's, you know, it's been a radical existence so far and one that's not going to stop. 
But oh my God, when you start doing the maths, <laughs> it's, man, it's, it's like, why didn't anyone teach me this? I'm pretty sure they might have touched on it once in high school, but God, no one paid attention. Once you understand leverage and uh, leverage and compounding interest, it's, it's, that's a game changer. And if I'd have known that and, and if I can kind of encourage people to learn about that, that's something that once you understand the, the, the true power of it, you can't ignore it. And once you, once you can get that, in a real sense, then, and you can't ignore it, then it's going to start you on your investing journey. In the next five years, McGrath has lots of plans for his buyer's agency and his own property journey. As I say, we've mapped out our goals quite um, extensively. Um, So, in the next five years, I want to grow uh, our buyer's agency. So, we want it to be a lot more than just a um, a buyer's agency. We've got a mission to, as I say, help people. Um, and to, to help transform their lives. So we want to grow that um, quite, quite large and have a large impact on people. We also want to move into the development space um, as much as anything to be able to also encourage other people to get into the development space and help kind of foster, foster people to, to do that in terms of small developments. And we're also uh, planning to start uh, an education uh, seg- segment in the business as well. So from that front, we've got quite strong ambitions to be able to teach people and help them grow financially. Um, and then also, Gabby and I have got our goals set on 25 properties in the next five years. McGrath attributes much of his success in property investment to skill and intelligence rather than pure luck. Well, it depends on how you want to look at it, right? I'd say we were unlucky at the start and that forced me to take a position of hard work and knowledge. You know, and, and, and it is that. I mean, it was, I was never in a position where it was like, oh, well, we'll just see what happens and invest in property, except for that first one, which then um, stimulated me to try and become really educated about it. And then now I, now I purely just look at, okay, what, are, like, what is this on, on a mechanical level? If you're interested in reaching out or finding out more about Glenn McGrath, otherwise known as Goose, here's the best way to do so. We always get a website, so www.dashdot.com.au, but... Um, if people want to reach out via Facebook, we're pretty active there. So, facebook.com forward slash dash dot buyers agents. Um, people can get in touch and see what we do. We, we try and put out a lot of valuable content. And as I say, we're, we're trying to encourage people to, to grow in this space. So, we're trying to provide a lot of value in what we're putting out there as well. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Glenn McGrath for joining us on this episode of Property Investory. If you'd like to find out more about his journey, head over to propertyinvestory.com.au.